0: Thank you. I actually don't need a little. I want to say a humongous thank you to you, Doug and Cindy and the leadership team here. You guys have been amazing. And also, all of you that attended the one this weekend, we had so much fun. Oh my gosh. It was I. I feel supercharged with love. It was spectacular, and uh, a real treat. And uh, for those of you who weren't able to come to the weekend, you missed the opportunity of your lifetime. Do not do that again. That was, that was a massive missed opportunity in the day of visitation. Um, Because it was amazing. And um, I'm a local church pastor, pastor in a church in Raleigh. And uh, there's just one thing that it's just sad is that, you know, every now and then a weekend comes. And people come from around the area, but our own church quite often, they forget. They just think, well, you know, we're always here every week. But actually, a special weekend like that is really exactly what it is special. And it's, it's not the same as every week. Even if every week is amazing, it's special again. And it's amazing. But I've got some good news for you because I'm always a glass full kind of guy. Uh, I've got some good news for you. You can read my book. It's called Consumed by Love, How Oneness with Christ Changes Absolutely Everything. And by the grace of God, uh, it's going all over the world and people are just getting revolutionized by Jesus, just encountering him in amazing ways as they're reading this book. So, uh, we have a few copies left from the weekend that JT brought. Um, Everybody who came on the conference, we gave them one of these books as part of the uh, not the conference, the event, you know, the Oneness Weekend. But for those of you who didn't come, please get a hold of this book and devour it. Uh, my, one of my close friends is a, uh, it will absolutely set you on fire. One of my uh, close friends is a businessman and uh, he used to be a very famous ice hockey player and uh, on the International Ice Hockey uh, League. And um, Anyway, he's now uh, an investor, and he's a really uh, smart businessman, very successful. And we were having lunch, and he said to me, Dunk, I'm reading your book, and it's absolutely just just wrecking me. And uh, he said, it's so good. I'm just, at night, I'm reading it, and I can, it's just so meaty. I'm, like, taking two pages, three pages at a time. He said, but to be honest with you, can I be honest? I said, sure, be honest with me. He goes, well... I do have one problem with it. And I said, well, what's that? He said, when I'm really tired after a really busy day, I pick up a book and I try to read it and I get a few paragraphs in and then I'm like, ah, I just can't take that English accent anymore. (laughs) I'm too tired to cope with that Englishman. which I, I, just, I just took that to be a, a, a wonderful compliment in that, you know, I've written every word in this book. Uh, it's not written by somebody else. It took me 10 years to write because um, I've been preaching all over the world on oneness with Christ, on the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, ascension and glorification of Jesus Christ, which is our death, our burial, our resurrection, our ascension and our glorification in Him. And uh, I just could not uh, write the book in a year. I mean, I actually wrote it in probably two years, at the end of ten years, but it took ten years of, in a sense, the Holy Spirit honing the message and taking me into the depths of the cross and the mysteries of the cross and the mystery of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is still woefully inadequate compared to the glory of what Christ has done for us. But nevertheless it will set you on fire. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, Cassie, did you get one of these already? You did, okay. I was going to give you this. Um, she was on the conference this weekend. Uh, who, who would like a copy of this book? Who wasn't able to get on the conference, right? Who'd like a copy? Which lady? Right where? This lady right there? I'm so sorry, everybody, but this lady right here is the favorite. She's your daughter. She's She's your friend. Awesome. There you go. You are very welcome. The rest of you, there are only 14 copies left, so uh, make sure you get yours before you go. I think one of the nicest things for me that happened this weekend, uh, one of the kisses from my heavenly daddy, because God loves kissing us in amazing ways, and it's easy to miss them because he's subtle, in case you hadn't noticed. Um... My children would, would say to me, you know, when they were young, Why, Daddy, why is God invisible? You know, why can't we see Him? Well, Because He loves hide and seek. Hide and go seek. He just loves that game. And how many of you know that hide and go seek is just one of the most awesome games, isn't it? And, uh, and if God just paraded Himself, it would be so... Well, first of all, it would be devastating for us. Not a single one of us would be able to function in normal life uh, because of the radiance of his glory, and the greatness of his power, and his majesty. But secondly, it would really be, it, it just would be so boring in comparison to the incredible invitation of love, of being able to seek him and find him when we seek him with all of our heart. But one of the blessings for me was getting to meet Mary Ann. Who it turns out, come on stand up Marianne, come on up here to the front, turns out that Marianne and I were at school together and we didn't realize it as missionaries and it's lovely to have Marianne's mom here. Come on up as well mom, come on up. I didn't know them in Nigeria, but Marianne's mom and Marianne's father were missionaries in Nigeria, weren't you? Awesome. How many years were you there for? Twenty. Twenty. They gave their lives, 20 years of their lives, to the Nigerian people also. And Marianne is one of the only other white Nigerians that I know of. Come on. She was born in Nigeria as well. And uh, I'm just really thrilled to have met her. Come on, let's take a picture. So, thank you. I'm so glad, Marianne. It was. God. It was the Lord. You know, a friend invited me to come. I didn't realize this was happening. And she ended up not being able to come. And when I was here that the first night and you said, well, I'm, I'm one of the only white Nigerians I know, I was going, wait, what about me? I'm up there too. But we met afterwards and I went home and I pulled, went up in the attic and I got out my yearbook from our boarding school. And sure enough, there was little blonde, very blonde, cute as he could be, Duncan Smith, as a second grader. Oh, isn't that so cute? That's so good. Thanks, Marianne. And Marianne was in grade seven, and I was in grade two. And there we were. And it just just blessed my heart. Thank you so much. Because, you know, when you've been a missionary kid, uh, one of the things that you don't have um, is what everybody else has. Uh, when they're growing up, and that is endless neighborhood friends uh, that you've known for life, you know. Um, how many of you have friends that you've known for more than 10 years and you, you just, you know, you grew up with them, and there they are. Well, you don't have that when you're, you know, your parents have given their lives to serving the Lord and loving the Lord all over the world. Uh, you just don't, you don't have the privilege of that. So it's really nice to have met you. So thank you very much. And Brian, Brian uh, my dear friend Brian Houston has uh, one of the most outstanding musicians on planet Earth, period. Um, and I, that's, that's true. And um, I think the thing that I love the most about you, Brian, is your incredible, you, you are so like God in this way. Uh, I was telling everybody that we're talking about a God of infinite creativity who creates every snowflake unique. Even though most of them melt before they hit the ground, And even though most of them are buried under big snow piles, and there's no reason under this sun why God couldn't do at least 10 repeats, you know, just repeat the whole thing every 10 times, you know. But no, throughout all of history, despite the fact that nobody knows or ever, in fact, up until our, you know, last 100 years when microscopes were invented and whatever, nobody knew the patterns of snowflakes for like hundreds and hundreds of years. And God took care to make sure not a single snowflake was repeated. Why? Because he would have known. And it would have diminished his glory and his pleasure. And he's like, no, I can't do that. And Brian, you carry Daddy's heart like that. Because I'm watching him leading worship. And, you know... uh, I've been to a few services, the meetings, Christian meetings. Let's say it like that. I've, I've been in a few worship sessions in my time. And, um, and what I find so incredible about you, Brian, is your absolute passion for creativity and to be particular to make the full experience for us the best that it can possibly be. So, for example, here he is. He's got this one microphone. And then he's got this one that goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I like that. So, you know, he's tired. He's been going for it. It's towards the end. He's been going 45 minutes, okay? And he's singing away, but he just, whoa, and sings back to this one. Why did he do that? I don't know. It took effort. It took thought. It took creativity. Why would he do that? I don't know. Because he can. Because it makes it better for us all. Because he's like that. He's an amazing, creative, awesome worship leader who really, really, really cares about us having the best possible experience that we could have and putting all of that training. How many of you know you do not just pluck a few melodies like he was doing? You know, just... while he's fiddling around with something else with his foot. To, how many of you know you do not get to that level without spending a lot of time when no one's looking to really put that practice in? Do you know they found out that uh, the British did a study. They decided they wanted to find out what are the common characteristics and traits is, traits, is there any, between people that have been become phenomenal in their field? Like risen to the top. You know, the top athletes... Is is there any commonality between the top politicians, the the top uh, athletes, the top medics, the top lawyers, you know, the top astronauts? What is the common thread? Is there any common thread? They found out, yes, there is a common thread. Do you know what it was? Each one of them has spent a minimum of 10,000 hours practicing what they're now good at. You don't become an anointed, gifted awesome, creative worship leader like Brian by accident. It comes through calling, but it also comes by determination. I would really encourage you, find out what God's called you to and serve the world the way Brian is with his gift. So, he's got a number of CDs and we do have some of them left and if you'd like to purchase uh, these CDs, they will rock you. You get to take Brian home. They'll rock you. That was an unintended pun. Sorry about that. (laughs) Who would like this one right here? Come on. I'm ever so sorry I can't possibly give it to you. I'm giving it to my friend Marianne. (laughs) The rest of you will just have to buy it. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. The Holy Spirit's given me the word for you today as a church. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Chapter 14, Proverbs 14, verse 4. Actually, verse 1 is a powerful verse as well, and I just feel the Holy Spirit nudging me not to overlook it. Verse 1, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one pulls it down again with her own hands. As the body of Christ, we're the church, we're the bride of Christ, we're likened to a woman. Which, girls, for those of you who struggle being thought of as sons of God, which means you get an inheritance, well, we have to struggle as men thinking of being the bride of Christ. It's hard for me to think of myself with you as a woman in the heavens, as a bride for Christ. But nevertheless, the Bible likens the church, the Messianic church and the Gentile church that are one in Christ Jesus. And thank God, as Gentiles were grafted in, to the true church, which is the God's Jewish people, because Jesus is a Jew. To be anti-Semitic is to be anti-Christ. Uh, the Bible refers to us as a bride. And I believe this verse is speaking prophetically right here, because, and will tie in very much with what I'm about to preach on from the main passage, that as the bride of Christ, as this local body, we have a tendency, we're the same in Raleigh, the same in Toronto, in fact the bride of Christ all over the world has the same tendency, that we can allow Jesus to build his church through us and as wise, a wise bride, we allow him to build his church through us and we partner with him and we build it. The problem is we can so easily become foolish and start tearing it down again because we become self-appointed judges about what God's doing. About what God's not doing. The worst thing that you could ever do in a church is join in with all the local church gossip. God will never thank you for it. He'll never agree with you. He will never join your side. Never. Never ever. You will always find yourself on a completely different track, and you will not feel the presence of God anywhere. In fact, if you can't feel God, it may be that you're tearing down things that He'd actually rather build up through you. Because you just won't feel His presence because He won't be there in His manifest presence. He'll be there in His omnipresence. But how many of you know that although God's everywhere, He can be particularly in one place if He wants to? And I love it when He wants to be in one place. And of course, He is in one place. He's dwelling on the inside of us. But He doesn't just want to dwell on the inside of us. He also wants to anoint us on the outside of us. As Christians, as born-again Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us. But that's for us. The Holy Spirit in us is welling up out into eternity. We actually... Are not asked by God to minister out of the anointing on the ins- out of the presence of God on the inside of us, because actually the presence of God on the inside of us, one Corinthians six seventeen, He who has joined Himself to the Lord is one spirit with Him. The presence of God on the inside of us is our union with Him. It's that place of intimacy with Him. It's the place where He, dwelling in us, it's like Colossians. Uh, 2 verse 8. The fullness of the deity is dwelling in Christ. The fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and you are in him, Paul says. The fullness of the, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit dwelling in you because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But that's for you and for him. It's your love affair. In fact, when you try to minister out of that, you're really kind of prostituting the beautiful thing that God's doing on the inside of you. You're just making it cheap trying to take what God's doing on the inside of you, which is love you like crazy, and then go and just have a bunch of lovers with that. From the inside out, there is an everlasting well of the presence of the Holy Spirit coming out of you. You don't have to ask for more. You can't leak Him out so that He's gone. When I was a kid in Nigeria, we used to be taught, you know, you got to get topped up, because you've leaked God out, ministering, so now He's gone, you need to, or reduced, you've got to top Him back up. No! He is that jar of oil that is constantly flowing out of you. You can't run dry of the Holy Spirit in you, however, He's for you. And Him. And He wells out into eternity. In fact, Jesus told the disciples that he breathed on and given them the Holy Spirit. And can you imagine what that must have been like, John 20, 21? He breathes on these disciples. He's just freshly resurrected from the dead. Okay? And he breathes into them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? I bet they kind of went, ooh. John. Yeah, Pete. What was it like? was okay. A little warm, a little wet. I don't think there was time for them to analyze what it felt like when the resurrected Christ breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I think they literally went. I think there was the first charismatic. No, that's too inadequate. I think there was the first gigantic, explosive Holy Spirit chaos meeting when Jesus breathed on those disciples that had just got saved and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they were born again, and boom, they just. And they're like, oh, 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 boom! That's the Holy Spirit in you, for you. And the Holy Spirit produces His fruit in you, through you. Okay? And by the way, it's the fruit of the... Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Nine fruits of the Spirit. And they're the fruits of the... Okay, so quit trying so hard. If you try to produce patience, I'll guarantee you, you will get constipated. You will. You'll get Christian constipation. You'll look like you've been sucking lemons. You'll just be a nightmare to all your other Christian friends around you because you'll be the most religious person. Hi, how are you? Try to be patient, thanks. Patience is number four. You don't even begin to... Patience doesn't even come across the radar until love is exploding. Joy is exploding. Peace is exploding. And patience... I mean, that's easy. When you've got love oozing out of you, you've got joy oozing out of you, you've got peace oozing out of you, man, patience. And it's most especially easy when it's the Holy Spirit producing it in you. In fact, I can't say it's most especially. It is only easy. Because the only one who's patient is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. Well, don't worry, we're getting to Proverbs 14, verse 4. Then we have the Holy Spirit on us. And Jesus said to those the same disciples that got bungu there and got born again in that moment, He says to them, Wait in Jerusalem. Okay? Until you receive the promise of my father. Luke twenty-four, forty-nine, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my father, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It says it again, Acts 8, verse 1. He says, Wait until you're in Jude, Clothed. The word in Jude" means clothed. It's an outer garment. It's referring to being clothed. You don't wear your clothes on the inside, you wear your clothes on the outside. And that is not an everlasting measure. You don't get that automatically. You get the Holy Spirit in you automatically. When you become born again, you're in union with Christ, the Holy Spirit... It saturates the inside of you. For you and for Him, welling out into eternity, you never run out of Him. You cannot have any more of Him. You cannot have any less of Him. You have the fullness of God dwelling on the inside of you. However, the anointing on the outside of you is according to how much you ask for. And what you're prepared to wait for. And what you're prepared to humble yourself for. Because God values two things almost more than anything else. Humility and relationship. Actually, relationship and humility in that order. God values relationship and humility. God Himself is the communion of love. He's the everlasting dance of love. He's the lover, the beloved, and the love. He's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He's the communion, the community, the union of love Himself. And because of that, he's always preferred, they've always preferred one another. The Son is not self-defining. He refuses to be self-defining. He's, I am who I am because of my dad. Because I have a dad, I'm the son. The father, I am who I am. I'm the father, but I'm only the father because I have a son. The Holy Spirit, I am who I am. The love, the eternal love, but only because I've eternally flowed from the lover to the beloved and the beloved to the lover. Not one member of the Trinity It's self-serving. Not one member of the Trinity is self-defining. All three of them, in union, one substance, are the eternal relationship and the eternal demonstration of humility. Amen? And so because of that, God, knowing that, has invited us into that now in Christ Jesus. The Beloved's in the Beloved. You have to come to the whole weekend to understand all that. But, you can get the book, so that's fine. Right. But, now, because God has invited us into that realm in our union with Christ, there is an invitation. Come to me. I've given you everything you need on the inside for you. But I want you to reach all of my children that are lost. I want you to be my witnesses. Witnesses of this love. Witnesses of this relationship. Witnesses of this union. Witnesses of this good news. Witness that your sins are forgiven. Their sins are forgiven. That I'm the savior of the world and they too can be united to me. They too can be daddy's favorite sons and daughters. They too can walk in love and be in this everlasting union of love. But for you to do that, you're going to need my presence to go with you. You're going to need the promise of my father. You're going to need the spirit of love on the outside of you. You're going to need the power of God on the outside of you. You're going to need to be endued with power from on high. Because you can't just go and witness about the kingdom with words. Because words are not sufficient to move a stony heart. Words are not enough for an atheist to get saved. Words are not enough for a person of another faith like Islam or Buddhism to get saved. It cannot be argument alone. God, knowing that, wants to empower you, equip you, clothe you with power so that you can say, let's stop talking Boom! Let's heal your blind eyes instead. Let's open your deaf ears. Let's get you out of the wheelchair. Let's heal that cancer. Boom, 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 boom. Power, 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 power. You want to know what God's like? Well, why don't you stop trying to believe in Him and start feeling Him for a moment? Oh, you mean you can feel your God? Oh, yeah. Hold your hands out if you dare. Not touching their hands, but just come right now. and Let them feel your love. Just look them right in the eyes. And they're like, okay, this is weird. Oh, I'm feeling something though. Never felt that before. I feel warmth. I'm feeling a little tipsy. Oh, something's happening to me. Do you get what I'm saying, everybody? Right? God is not a God to just be believed in. He's a God to be encountered through believing in Him. He's a God to be encountered. He's a God to be known. So that's the Holy Spirit in us for us. Then He's on us for the whole of the people around us. Our world around us. Starbucks, the cafes, the pubs the bars. I mean, y'all, I've just been so excited going home every night at 11 o'clock. The place is packed. There's just young people everywhere, all over the place. I had to close my eyes most of the time. Thank God I wasn't driving because the the skirts were more like belts than skirts. And being a full-blooded Englishman, I had to keep my eyes really closed. A lot of people out there, Jesus, bless them all. Help them to, help them to dress a little more appropriately as well. You know. Giving us men sore eyes. And... But I'm telling you, they're just looking for lovers. Because they've never met the lover. And until you've met the lover himself... You'll prostitute yourself to every lover that will take you. And pay the price for it. But the good news is God never intended you to be like that. He intended you to know His love. Be secure in His love. And then you don't have to give yourself away. You don't have to give all your secrets and all the best things about you to some bozo that will never, ever, ever, ever understand the treasure that you are. Now, that's the presence of God on the outside. But the Holy Spirit wants to come not just in you and on you. The Holy Spirit wants to come among you. And that's a whole nother level. That happens when people individually cry out to God in a local church for more of His presence, to equip them with more power, to equip them with more anointing. But when you start to do it to corporately together... Hungry people getting together, just like we did this weekend, but I would encourage you to have your own times where corporately you get together, you probably already do, but come with a desire to get more anointing, not just for you, but for all of us. So that your whole church as a church family walks in a corporate anointing that I believe God wants to pour out onto you. Because when that happens... Literally, a church goes into a realm where it starts to shake a city because anything is possible. Because it's an anointing for incredible miracles. Luke 5 is the story of Jesus with the man that was lowered down, that was paralyzed. The word says this. Jesus was in the house and there were many people in the house. And the Spirit of the Lord was present. It actually doesn't say the Spirit, I'm sorry. It says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Wait a minute. Why in the world does it say that? Is it referring to the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick, uh, alluding to Jesus being there? No. There was something else. Even Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is God in the flesh, okay, was totally cooperating with the entire relational dynamic of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in that, in this place, though He Himself is God in the flesh, He is very mindful that He wants to rely fully on the Holy Spirit rather than His own power and Godness. He wants to live out of his manness, not his godness, because that's the whole point of him being our worthy Savior. And he's trusting in the life of the Holy Spirit, not just the presence of the Holy Spirit in him, which he had from birth, not just the presence of the Holy Spirit on him, which he had from the baptism when the Holy Spirit descended upon him, but now there's the Holy Spirit among them in the room. Power in the room. And that man was lowered straight through that power. And when Jesus says to him, But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, son, pick up your mat and walk. And Jesus proves that he's God by healing the man who's totally paralyzed. And the man gets up, rolls his mat, and walks out. We realize there's something very special about having the Holy Spirit among you. And that's what we're going after what we're going after. And I feel the Holy Spirit is through me saying to y'all, it's not just pastors, not just the leaders, this is for all of us. Are you willing to lay down your life for the sake of all? And by faith, give God no rest until He gives you a corporate anointing of His presence that's unprecedented in the history of this city of Richmond and leads to, quite literally, you taking your place in the third great awakening that I believe is going to explode in this nation on the East Coast. And while you're doing it, you can remember us in Raleigh that that's what we're going after. We have our burning nights on a Friday night once a month. Most people in the church, they just don't get it yet. They're like, yeah, burning night, yeah, I'm serious. Because you know why? It takes hard work. It's hard work for the musicians. Six hours. 6 p.m. Nobody's there at 6 p.m. They have to learn to worship. They have to learn... They have to... They have to learn to worship when nobody else is looking and be just as passionate when there's no crowd in the room. There's not that many that are willing to pay that price. Because most of us performers... And I include myself in that. I don't like preaching to nobody anywhere near as much as I like preaching to a thousand people. Because I draw something in my flesh from that. But I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm really learning. And I want to get to the place where God, I can preach to literally nobody except Christ. And be fully, fully alive doing that. Proverbs 14 verse 4. Where All that to say this. Where there is no oxen, where there is no bull, the manger is nice and clean. The stall is nice and clean. But with the strength of an ox comes a great harvest. A thousand pound bull is a ferocious, fierce Incredibly intimidating, incredibly dangerous animal, folks. You do not want to get in his way. If you're in a field with him, you better get out of that field as fast as possible. Especially if he's got his heifers in there with him. You see, we've lost touch with the agricultural society. We don't even understand this verse. Some of you are like, what in the world's a heifer? A heifer is a virgin, young virgin cow that has not yet met the bull. When you have a milking herd of cattle, like we have on our farm, we used to, we used to have 300 head of cattle, including 175 milking jerseys, plus all the young ones, plus all the heifers, plus some of the steers, which is the men that the male. Uh, Cattle that had lost their um, their parts that turned them into a bull, and then we had Philip the bull, and you got to have you got to have one bull because you can't have any milk until the heifers have met the bull, and I will not forget. We had a cowman. I used to work on our family farm. We had a cowman. This is after my parents came back from Nigeria after 20 years. And I worked on the farm when I was a a, a young man. And uh, Johnny was our cowman, and he'd been our cowman since he was a little kid, and his father before that. And I was with him. I could barely understand a word of the English that he spoke, because it certainly didn't sound like English. All right, we're going off down to the field now. We're going to go look at them effers. Okay, which is, Duncan, we're going down to the field and we're going to look at the heifers. I want to know what they're like. So we go down to the field. At least once every three or four days we'd go to this particular field, we'd inspect the heifers. We would stand respectfully on this side of the gate because among the heifers was Philip. Philip was an Aberdeen Angus bull. Literally twice the size of the heifers. I mean, it made my eyes water to just think of those poor little heifers. (laughs) And I'm standing there on this side of the fence, and I'm looking at a thousand pounds of solid muscle. And he's way over there, and Johnny would go, Now then, look at that. There's Philip. Whatever you do, Duncan, don't ever get between Philip and his heifers. I said, I have absolutely no intention whatsoever. (laughs) One day we got to the gate and we're there, and Johnny goes, Come on, come on, Duncan, we're going in to see them effers real up close. I said, No, we're not. (laughs) He goes, Yes, we are, we're going right in. I said, No, no, Johnny, we're not doing that. That, 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 that. There's no sense in that whatsoever. Well, he was not listening to me, unlatched it. Come on, come on, son, you're coming with me. We're going in close. I said, That is crazy. So I'm like literally walking like this. I'm like, oh, Jesus. And there's Philip. And he looks at me with his big, huge eye. And Johnny goes, "Dungan, do not take your eye off his eye. I said, I won't. I'm literally mesmerized by it. I'm like... All of a sudden, Johnny and I both saw it at the same time. Something changed inside Philip's eye. I can't tell you what it was exactly. I just know that it changed. I was up in the air, running, turning, and sprinting as fast as I could, with Johnny next to me. <laughs> and by the time we got to the gate, practically falling over it, Philip was right there. Huffing and puffing and snorting. And, <clears throat> and my heart was pounding out of my chest. I'm just as frightened as I can be. Why am I telling you all of this? Because a bull, an ox, is a Fearsome, ferocious animal. Having him in the stall, having him in the fields, one thing, having him in the stall, which you have to have every now and then, is beyond terrifying. And to get inside the stall with him, okay, is infinitely more dangerous in the field because in the stall, he's so close to you, he could hurt you by accident. He could hurt you as you Americans love to say, he could hurt you on accident. What do I mean he could hurt you on accident? Well, he could just kind of move like that and squish you against the wall. And you'd be like a bug and be squished to the floor, dead. And he just was trying to scratch himself on the wall. Not only that, he makes a gigantic, impossibly large amount of poo. And you have to clean that poo up. you got to get in there and you got to shovel that straw and poop when he's gone. you got to feed him. In fact, when you have an ox, everything you do on the farm is mindful of the ox. You don't do anything without being mindful of that ox. And he's incredibly inconvenient. But you see, in Solomon's day when he wrote this, an ox wasn't just used to impregnate heifers, though it was. An ox was also the only mode of transport and was the equivalent of an 18-wheeler semi-trailer truck. And if you wanted to have an 18-wheeler truck, you couldn't because they hadn't been invented for about 3,000 years. So in order to have transport of any large amounts of harvest, or, more importantly, the oxen that day was the equivalent of a gigantic 8,800 John Deere tractor. And if you wanted to plow that field out there, and you wanted to plow more than an acre... Or, actually, if you wanted to plow an acre, which, by the way, the one acre, you may not know this, but the one acre is a measurement of land that an ox, one ox and plow, can plow in a day. That's what an acre is. Yes, from antiquity, that is what an acre is, in case you were wondering. The amount of land that one yoke of oxen can plow in one day. Meanwhile, the person who was not fortunate and would not be willing to entertain an ox, they would have to use a hand hoe. You probably could not use a hand hoe to do this area in one day. Guess who had the bigger harvest? The one with the ox or the one with the hand hoe? The one with the ox. For the sake of a giant harvest compared to you on your own, you could have a bull you'd have to entertain all that inconvenience. You'd have to learn to tame the bull. You'd have to learn to be mindful constantly of that bull and you'd have to be respectful of that bull and the amazing thing about the bull is that though it is an absolute incredible beast of burden and an incredibly ferocious beast it will allow you to tame it. It will ultimately allow you to tell it what to do. Now Here's the amazing thing. One day I was reading this. And the Holy, I was just getting in my running kit. And I put my shoes on. And I jumped up to go running. Right. And I was about to go out the door. And suddenly the Holy Spirit quite literally charged me right in my chest. And knocked me flying off my feet uh, onto the seat there. And he said, by the way, Duncan, I am the mighty ox. Now, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is an ox. I'm saying that in this verse, the one who brings the church, the manger, this great harvest is none other than the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of churches in this world that are doing a lot of farming, spiritually speaking, trying to win the lost without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they're doing a good job. And you could look at a big church that's, you know, winning it by being sensitive to people that are seeking Jesus. And you could look at it and go, wow, that's really good. That's 6,000 people. What is a church of 6,000 people? What is that compared to the early church that had 3,000 saved in one day when the Holy Spirit showed up? What if... Our sized churches, whether they're 100 people or whether they're 6,000 or 10,000, what if that isn't even close to the scale that God actually intends for us to have as a harvest? It's just that none of us are willing to entertain the ox. None of us are willing to welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit because we're not willing to pay the price of the inconvenience. We're not willing to have His presence. We're scared of him because we think he's dangerous. And he is. He could fry you in a split second. But the amazing thing is, is that he, though he could fry you in a split second, and by the way, he's not a gentleman. No, he's not. Just ask Saul of Tarsus if he thinks that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Knocked into the ground and blinded him for three days. And if it wasn't for the goodness of grace of God through Ananias laying hands on him, he would have remained blind for the rest of his life. Now, one touch of the Holy Spirit can be lethal. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit is love. He's the lover, and He loves us. And for those who want Him, Ananias and Sapphira will tell you when they get to heaven, yes, the Holy Spirit, He's lethal. But for those who love Him and who want Him, who are willing to pay the price, who are willing to invite invite Him to the manger of their own lives, And embrace the inconvenience. He says, I will bring you a great harvest. I will bring you a great harvest. Not just a harvest, a great harvest. A harvest of tremendous increase. And if that's true on a singular scale, how much more true is it when all of you together begin to say, Holy Spirit, we want the wild ox. We want you to come. We want you to presence yourself here. We want you to make this your manger. We want you to make this church, Harvest Renewal Church, your manger. We want this to be your stall. We want you. We want you, Holy Spirit. At all costs, we want you. No matter what, we just want you. If all of the churches in Richmond don't want you, we want you to know we want you. He will take you seriously. And he'll come. You'll arrest his gaze. His eye will be fixed on you. And he'll come charging in your direction. Hallelujah. <laughs> and at first you'll run and then after a while you'll stop. And he'll be like, wow, this is the greatest move of God. I'm the most privileged person on the planet. Let's stand. Actually, yeah. Are you willing for that, Bri? Would you be okay with the band to come back up? Yeah, I'd, I'd like the whole band up, please. Is that okay, Pastor? And, and, uh, so while the band are getting themselves ready, I want you just, you know, just hold your peace a minute. Don't talk to anybody, okay? Just for a moment, all right? Here's the deal. God's looking for people that will welcome Him. The Holy Spirit's looking for people who will welcome Him into the the manger of their life. Not just as a Christian, but to become friends with the Ox. Become friends with the Mighty One. That you can welcome in the manger. I think it's pretty incredible that Jesus was then born in the manger. How many of you want to have the Holy Spirit with you in the manger? I mean like of all the places in the whole world that he would just think, I'm going to dwell with Grant because he wants me. I'm going to dwell with Afy because she wants me. As she wants me, I'm coming. See what I'm saying? There's something about believing God, Smith Wigglesworth said, there's something, that's a famous man of God from a long time ago. There's something about believing God that will make him pass over one million people just to find you. Just to find you. Some night, on a Saturday night, you get saved. And get filled with God. Well, He's looking for you to presence Himself with you. If you want the mighty ox in your manger, and if you want to be part of the, this local church that says, I'm going to stand together with my friends until He comes. I'm not talking about some weird thing where you're like, we're going to fast 24-7. No, we've got to be realistic Nevertheless, it's about a will agreement. God, I want you to come. I'm going to stop trying to decide what is God and what's not God. I'm going to stop trying to build and then tear it down by, you know, gossip about what God's doing. No, I am going to give myself unreservedly to the presence of the Holy Spirit in ever increasing measure in my church. If you're looking for that, I want you to come out here to the front. If that's what you're wanting, I want you to make a statement to God and, and And go after the presence of the Holy Spirit. And just focus in on the Lord for a moment. Just focus in. The good thing is, looking at this group, is that there's enough of you that want Him to carry Him. To carry it. To carry the day, so to speak. There's enough of you who want Him. To carry the day. Do you get what I'm saying? There's enough of you who really want him. To have tipped the balance. In Richmond. Because he doesn't need. Many. He turned the world upside down. With just 12 men. And women. So right now. I just want you to take a moment. First of all, I'd like you, those of you who would like to just close your eyes for a moment and just begin to repent for every way as part of the Bride of Christ. You have allowed your mouth and the evil things of your heart to join in with the evil in others' heart. We call it gossip. And just begin to ask God's forgiveness for every way that you've judged the things that God's been doing and the people that he's been doing it with things that you didn't understand, but you just made a judgment about. Just begin to ask God right now for His forgiveness. and Just make a decision in your heart, Lord, from this moment forward, I want to be somebody who builds with Christ, lays down their life for their friends. And now just begin to start asking God's forgiveness if you need to. For every way you've been unwilling to truly entertain the ox in that sense. The, he's not an ox, he's the Holy Spirit. But every way you've been unwilling to really allow the Holy Spirit to really, really, really be Himself in you. Forget everybody else, forget the church. I'm talking about you. For every way you've been embarrassed about the Holy Spirit in front of your unsaved friends for every way you've been embarrassed about the Holy Spirit in front of your evangelical Christian friends that just don't like charismania, whatever it is, you just take a moment to ask God's forgiveness for every way you've snubbed the Holy Spirit, for every way you've wanted to keep Him in the basement, for every way that you wanted to keep Him in the bedroom or keep Him away from the so-called living room, where you've been in the past, you know He's anointed you and you could have stepped out, but you just didn't because you held back because you were worried about what others would think about you. Tell God that you're sorry. He's the God of the second, third, tenth, thousandth chance because all that He needs is one moment of you turning back to Him. One moment of you just saying, I'm sorry God. Here I am. Fill me. Take me. Use me. And He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll take you at that word. And He'll come just as strong as He would have done if you'd never done that. He'll come even stronger because He's lovely, because He's good. And then now I just want you to join in the Spirit on your own, eyes closed just begin to start longing for the mighty one of the holy spirit the mighty arch just welcome him into the manger of your life welcome him lord you're welcome with me lord i want you to come lord i i know and understand how dangerous you are how literally you could instantly crush me you could take my breath away how savage you must be god who holds the entire universe in the span of your hand yet god i want to be your friend I want you to come, Holy Spirit. I'm willing to welcome you in the manger of my life. Up close and personal. So close that you could crush me. Come, Lord. I can't live another moment without you. Come, God. Come, God. Come, God. Come, God. God. Fill me, God. And not just me. Let's turn that focus now to the whole church harvest renewal church or if you're visiting from another church just begin to welcome the Holy Spirit now if you're part of another church and they don't want the Holy Spirit I'm sorry you can't stop start wanting him to come and do stuff that your leaders don't want him to do sorry it doesn't work like that God hasn't given you that grace but you can welcome him in your life But if you're part of this church, and seeing as I can see your leaders right here at the front leading by example, I think I can safely say they want the Holy Spirit in the greatest measure that He could possibly come in a local church. And I want you as members of this church to join in with their faith, to join in with their will, and start to really, really lift up your voices and ask God to come in unprecedented presence and power upon you. I can't do it for you. Come on, lift it lift up your voices. Just begin to start to cry out to him. Just ask him right now to come.